This is the Secrets We Share podcast, a show about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the left and rights of mental health care in Australia. Here's your host, Francis Carlton. Welcome to Secrets We Share, a podcast brought to you by Secret Keeper Counselling, where we talk all things mental health with clients and clinicians. There may be tears, triggers, laughter, some learning and profanity. So you've been warned. Now make yourself a cup of tea, sit back and relax as I talk with Craig and Carmen from Canberra and they'll share a few of their secrets today. Welcome, Craig. Carmen. Hello. 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 Craig, can you tell me three words to describe yourself? Three words would be empathetic, uh, caring and determined. Brilliant, brilliant. Determined to do what? Uh, determined to break down the stigma of mental health and raise awareness throughout the community. Um, I, I, in my journey, I've come across a bit of a stigma and I'm really passionate about breaking it down. Yeah. So, yeah. And what has your journey been? Oh, it's, it's been a, a big journey of um, depression, anxiety mm-hmm. and... Uh, leading to self-medication or drug use. Um, yeah, and recently just finding out that I had um, bipolar after almost losing everything, um, right. being untreated for bipolar, um, going through the manic stages, et cetera. So, um, yeah. Wow. So it's just been a, yeah, a big journey. And, Carmen, you've been with Craig the whole time. Yes, I have. Yes, How's I that have. been? One roller coaster of a ride. One roller coaster of a ride. Um, correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a lot of, uh, there's been some highs, but there's been a lot of lows. But we're now back on track and we're moving to the high. And um, as Craig said, with his determination, um, we're going forward and we're kicking a lot of goals. So yeah, a lot, really lot of goals. Yes. Okay. What's one of the what's one of the highlights of the goals lately? Uh, for uh, for me personally, it has been to um, oh just uh, being diagnosed with bipolar has been a huge goal for me. Um, mm. So that's been able to have a good ground grounding for me, a ground base where mm. I can uh, actually learn about the condition and the warning signs and be correctly treated for it. So mm. um, that's been a big highlight, and mm. being able to transfer that into being staying clean after a, a serious. Um, Ice addiction. So it's, it's right. Yeah. And how long have you been clean now? Ah, uh, so we're going up to nine months now. Right. Nine months wow. clean. Yeah. So wow. that's been a huge goal. Yeah. So, sort of just casting your mind back to sort of earlier years, mm-hmm. when, when do you think you had your first sort of high or low? It would have been around the age of 14. 13, I started uh, looking back, yeah, you can see little little snippets of your life where you, uh, you have your manic stages, not sleeping well, um, yep. all the racing thoughts and then a bit of depression. But it was only a, like a small a small doses at that stage in the early yep. teens. Yep. But, um, but also anxiety started kicking into social anxiety. Yep. Yeah. Which I, um, what yeah. did the social anxiety look like? Did it involve not going out? Being, you know, yeah, well, uh, yeah. When you're younger, I guess you're um, you're kind of a bit more resilient. So mm. if there was a social um, situation coming up, 
you'd be kind of really anxious about it for the days leading up or weeks leading up, but mm. you could force yourself to go through with it and put on a, a, a front. Yeah. So you could, yeah, you, you learned to deal with it at an early age, but I found as I got older it became more um, prevalent and it was harder to hard to deal with. So you said that when you got older it started getting harder. What did it then look like as you got older? Yeah, that um, would well, take me four or five days to get out of the house some stage at my worst to go and get a haircut because just uh, I couldn't get out of the house because I couldn't I'd be worried that I'd be running to an old school friend or someone I knew from work or just meeting new people. It, was, mm. it got to that stage where it took about five days. So you'd either have to talk to people or you'd be meeting new people that meant you had to talk to people. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it was really hard, yeah. yeah. And when did the self-medic, is that around about the time the self-medication started? Yeah, so that started probably about seven years ago, seven, eight years ago. Mm. And um, it was good at the start. It kind of helped me to with my confidence and and stuff, but then that was just short-lived and then that uh, really got a hold of me, the addiction. And yeah. So did it start with, did you go straight into illicit drugs or did you start with alcohol? With the alcohol, that was more in the early, well, late teens, early 20s, yep. where I just binge drink that for, that helped with social anxiety. But um, if I was manic, looking back now, if I was manic, that that was a recipe for disaster. Mm. Like, so yeah. drinking on top of mania. Yeah, it wasn't a good mix. Okay, what was what, what sort of things would happen? <laughs> oh, well, you'd, you'd, um, you'd be the first one to a party, last one to leave. You wouldn't remember what you were doing. You'd get that drunk. Um, with previous partners, it'd be cheating, um, gambling, um, staying out for, you know, two days in a row. So... Um, getting to the point where you get arrested for being too drunk and disorderly in a public place. So, yeah, it wasn't a good mix at all. So really very destructive. It, oh, extremely, yes, yeah. And how did it help with the with the lows? I mean, did it, I mean, what was the, how, yeah. how was it oh, when well, you were in the lows? The lows are terrible because it was just then, it was just a vicious cycle. So you'd have the ups and then did the lows and because you do all those self-destructive behaviours during your manic um, stages, um, a few days later the guilt will really kick in and the self, you know, self-blaming self and loathing and hating yourself as a person. Mm. And it just got bigger. It just snowboarded really as mm. you got older and older because you do more self-destructive behaviours as you grew, grew mm. up and well, grew, grew older. So, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you work? Not now, no. Not now. No, I worked. Um, I recently just lost my position, resigned. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you were when you were in this sort of this this self destructive loop of drinking and you know, w- were you working then? Yes. Yes. Okay. How did it How did it work with work? Um, you get. I got through. Uh, basically, wow. you'd have the odd mental health day, but you just kind of. When you, I found when I was younger, I was more resilient and I could just soldier on. But you'd be quiet, you wouldn't be yourself, and the day would be a huge struggle. Like, yeah. um, it was, you really had to force yourself to get to work and, uh, and disliked yeah. every minute of it. So, yeah. <laughs> and you'd keep your head down when you were there. Yeah, kept very quiet. You want to really interact, interact with anyone. Yeah. Okay. So how, did, how did you and Carmen meet? Okay. Um, I met Craig when I came, because I'm actually originally from Victoria. Yep. Born and bred in Victoria, country Victoria. Mm. And I actually uh, came up to work 
uh, came up to Canberra for work mm. and um, I was here on a 10-week stint and I uh, met, I was out with some friends from work because I didn't really know anybody from Canberra yep. and I didn't wasn't a really party person mm. and I uh, went out for some drinks and some dinner with some friends down at the local Mawson Club, I think it was. Mm. And um, I was up at the bar grabbing a drink for one of my girlfriends because I don't drink. Yeah. And I feel this presence behind me and I turn around and there's this happy-go-lucky person behind me going, hello, how are you? What's your name? And I've just gone, oh, no, not another drunken sod. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, just just come out of a, um, a marriage and um, – so I was just, that was the last thing on my mind. Yeah. But we got talking and he was very persistent and we got talking and chatting and um, we just hit it off. Like it was just, we just talked and talked and talked. And um, I was only there for one more week. And uh, so we just sort of stayed friends and Craig's, uh, he's a big fan of AFL and because um, I'm from Victoria, I'm a Carlton supporter. And he said, oh, you know, fancy meeting someone that knows AFL because Canberra's very limited in people who know AFL. Yes. And uh, he, said, oh, he said, we'll meet again and it'll be in September when I, we go to the grand final together. I went, okay, no worries. Anyway, I went back to Victoria and uh, two weeks later my boss rang me up and said, Canberra want you back. Um, there's another stint, there's another project they want you to do. I said, okay. So I... Um, Teed it up with a friend up here and I uh, never told Craig, but I was in contact with him every day and I never told him. And in the two weeks I came up and um, surprised him, um, flew in. He didn't know, he didn't have any idea. And I haven't gone back to Victoria. I stayed. Wow. So permanent job here. Been here for now 15 years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Been together. And that's, yep. that was how we met. So you really have gone through the highs and lows with him Definitely. as well. The highs and lows. So the night you met on reflection, where was he at? He was... <laughs> He was such a breath of fresh air. Like yeah. I'd never met anyone who was so happy, go lucky, uh, had a burst of energy and it was something that like, I don't know, it was just something about him that everybody was just like he was the centre of attention. Mm. <laughs> Everywhere we yeah. went, everybody mm. just loved him. He was just like, you know. Um, he has a nickname and his nickname's Merv. Merv. And so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so everyone knows him by Mervo. Oh, where's Mervo? You know, and then it was the Mervo and Carmen show. Like, hey, where's Carmen and Mervo? You know, it was, yeah. it was just uh, the first several years of our relationship was just the best I could possibly even think. Um, we, you know, we both worked. Um, we worked hard. Uh, we, um, you know, I have a child from a previous relationship he has twin boys from a previous relationship so we had the kids and you know we ended up getting our little dogs and we had the house and it was everything was just traveling fine we had mm. a bunch of good friends that we you know caught up with regularly mm. and and um yeah it was sort of the so the first several years the first few years were, were mm. really good were really good and um yeah just sort of I think he's in a self he's I think his self-doubt started to sort of change about himself mm. and um, I think what people, he, he really worried about what people thought of him mm. as a person. I thought that's when I saw the yeah. change. So in those first few years that you were together, um, Craig, Movo, <laughs> um, <laughs> what um, what was going on for you? Uh, there were, I don't, looking back, I had some manic 
episodes when we went out, like mm. drinking and that. But um, I was at a pretty good, pretty good spot um, when I met Carmen. Well, actually, no, I go back. Um, I was in. I overcome a bit of clinical depression after splitting up and losing my seeing the kids as often as I mm. could. So, but meeting meeting Carmen that kind of leveled me out for. That yeah, she said that seven years. So yeah, right. I did have uh, a little manic stages, but that was on a regular basis. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they weren't. To me, it was just Craig's just got a burst of energy, and he's just go go go. And he, I, I never, I suppose, because I'd never had you know been with anyone or known anyone who'd been through those sort mm. of episodes. So you don't sort of. I just saw it as Craig just you know. Mm. Well, he's in a good mood. He's having a good time. Yeah. You know, he's go go go. Let's go go. Yeah. You know, it's, mm. it was happy times, but um, the happy times started to become a little bit destructive. Okay, and when when did you notice the destruction coming back? Um, I suppose because I worked long hours, um, and I still do, which is mm. which is something I need to slightly change. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. <laughs> um, and it was sort of more about um, it, sort of. I don't know how can we say um, he was. We, we would we would be enjoying a moment, but he would always want that more, and he'd go that you know step, and it just became you know like the um, gambling started to mm. fester in. Okay, so Craig, tell me about the gambling. Yeah, just um, that, that that start with the it was more of the alcohol and the manic mixed in, um, mm. but I didn't have much. Cash to after you pay all your bills, etc. So, I remember numerous times you'd go out, be paid on Thursday, go out the Friday night, and you'd have two, three hundred dollars there to last you a while, like the week or two weeks, and mm. then you just go, just blow it. And um, I think there was a couple of occasions where Carmen went back to Victoria. I went down with the boys just to watch cricket at the club, and then. For an hour to ring her up in tears, saying uh, I spent all my money and I made payment on the on the house and mm. yeah, so that was quite destructive mm. and um, yeah. And mm. it became a bit of a, uh, I suppose it became a bit of an angst between the two of us then because mm. I was getting annoyed that the fact that he was, why would you go out and blah blah all your wage now I've got to rely on my wage to pay the mortgage and the bills and the this mm. and the and it, and, it, and I became angry at him and so that so the so the bitterness between us started mm. to happen so we mm. started started arguing a lot more um which then of course became um to the point where they became very volatile um we his anger heightened um mm. and it, it was a change like i could see the change in him when he was his ang previously when he was we had an argument it was just an argument that it then it was fine. Mm. But his anger became so so intense mm. to the point it then became very physically violent. And um, that, <sighs> mm. yeah, yeah, that, it, that was, that was real low, mm. real low life. And, um, but I knew that wasn't Craig. There was just so much happening in his life, and mm. he he just that was. I kept, I suppose, I kept blaming myself. I knew it wasn't my fault, mm. but I just kept blaming myself, and I just knew that I just couldn't. 
I couldn't leave him because he needed help. Mm. He needed big help. And then, of course, it just spiralled. It just spiralled down from then. And anyway, just, um, mm. yeah, he ended up in, a, in the biggest rut that he could possibly find himself. And I, I just was to the point where I did step aside, but I never stepped away. Yeah, I wow. Yeah. I, I couldn't step away. I, he, so how did the how did the stepping aside? Stepping aside was. What did like, that look like? Did you I, go away for he, a little while, or he stopped going? He couldn't get himself to go to work. Mm. His interest was more um, with people I was not accustomed to, or mm. I did not know. Yeah. He, I found out, and sorry, I'm going to have to. Say no, this. that's okay. He um. My doubts became clear. He was cheating. Yep. And so because he was speaking, he was less frequent at home, I would go to work, get up, go to work. That was my routine. Go to work, come home, be with the dogs. I'd yep. go to bed, get up, go to work. Mm. He would come and go as he came. Um, a lot of times I, I would spend most of my nights here upset, wondering where he was, if mm. he was still alive, who he was with, what he was mm. doing, why would he do this? This is this is not Craig. This is not the guy that I met mm. and fell in love with, and it was really hard. Yeah. yeah. So was this the time when you had started self medicating with illicit drugs? Yes. Yes. Okay. Can you sort of how did you how did you fall into using illicit drugs over alcohol to manage what was going on for you? Oh, I remember one night, one evening, I got really drunk in a manic stage, and I was at uh, at a club, and a friend took me outside and gave me um, the pipe, I guess, to, mm. to smoke. And uh, that straightened me straight out, like that made me from going so drunk to sober instantly, basically. Right. And it was kind of like, well, you know, that's that's pretty cool. And then um, so you'd wake up, no hangover, um, and that's my kind of introduction to that. So mm. you basically go two, three nights, no sleep, and still go to, you know, function and um, you weren't sick next day. And, um, mm. and two, I think that instant hit, um, I noticed a lot of my self-sabotaging behaviours really increased once I start, stopped playing football. I found sport a real, there was a passion for me and it was a good release mm. of um, playing footy for that two hours. You forgot about everything out in the outside mm. world. And mm. after I stopped playing footy and doing keeping actively fit, I'd, lost that void and then when I got introduced to the drug ice, that kind mm. of filled that void for me. Yeah. Why did you stop playing football? Oh, just a bit long in the tooth. Okay. <laughs> so no, I had to, I stopped playing in like early 30s and had a few injuries. So it was just, um, it was just time to give it up. I was getting okay. pretty sore and stuff. So, yeah. but, uh, so I, not I, even social playing? No, yeah. no. It was, um, yeah, my body had had enough then. So. Mm. Are you exercising now? Now that yes, you, yeah, yeah big time. Yeah. What does what does uh, what sort of exercises do you do at the moment? Oh, okay, so I'm just walking every day. Yeah. Um, actually, planning a charity walk from Canberra to Melbourne next year to raise awareness about mental health wow. in May next year. So, wow. been walking probably about 10, 11 k's a day, and got back into doing weights three times a week, which uh, yeah. really helps with the um, with my mental health and yeah. well-being. So. Does um, Leroy the dog, who is who, by the way, you can probably hear snoring, um, <laughs> is uh, does he accompany you on your walks? 
I take him for little walks because he's a bit old too, like me. Yeah. And he's got a bit of arthritis, so we just do a little little block around the yeah. around the side okay. here. Yeah. And so he can t- be very divine too sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Stop somewhere we're out, and then we have yeah. to carry him all the way. He's got he's 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 certainly got quite a snore. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it winds up after a while, but yeah. we've just sort of got to reposition him so he's. Yeah. <laughs> so with your with your 10, 10 to twelve k's a day that you're doing at the moment, how have you you you've built up to that over? a period of time yeah. um over eight months so when okay. i stopped yep. uh when i quit using illicit drugs anxiety was just pre- uh, overwhelming and yep. um i just walked for about 20 minutes had to lay down and then i get anxiety again so i just that's why um that first month was just basically just walking to overcome the the cravings and the um you get mm. real bad anxiety Mm. When, he, when he quit, so um, that's, what's the? Can you tell me a little bit about the the sorts of things that are going through your mind when that anxiety, that come down anxiety, is happening for you? Yeah, because um, I w- wasn't at work. I was. Um, I had no goals. I had no no direction, and I was kind of at home by myself. And so it's just a lot of self doubt. What have I done to my life? How did I end up in this position? Um, you kind of your friends that um, don't use less drugs because you change your whole network. You hang around. Um, mm. you, you kind of think back, and you know, I haven't spoken to him for long, so long. How am I going to get back in contact? I haven't seen family. I hadn't seen my kids for a little while, so it's just a whole lot of stress and um, yeah, just self blame and self worthless. Mm. Yeah. And what did you do to manage to manage those thoughts in that time when you? You know when you were actually getting, yeah, get, getting um, back on path. It's it, it's this small little step. So I had to, um, since I had no no friends around me, I had to re-establish uh, my network. So reconnecting with Carmen again, which was been a, a game, a huge game changer. So mm. and so and also just listening to podcasts, like to self help podcasts, just okay. to. Um, yeah, just get to my – there was a big big problem. I knew it and I had to make some huge changes. So I started yeah. listening to self-help podcasts. Do you have a favourite? Yeah, uh, Andy Murphy, uh, Mindset by Design. Okay. Andy. Yep. Yeah. Is that out of America or Australia uh, or – Yeah, he's uh, he's based in Panama. Okay. But he's wow. English. Yeah. Right. And um, I actually reached out to him and he's been, yeah, really helpful. And, um, yeah, there was fantastic podcast that um, – there's about 220 episodes, and I think I've listened to all of them. Oh wow! So, yeah, <laughs> wow. Okay. And um, his biggest thing was saying that um, your your network uh, network is your net worth, and I didn't really have anyone at that stage at the start of the year that I could talk to as I had Carmen. Mm. But so I thought, well, I'll start listening to other people that are motivational and inspirational, mm. and that kind of rubbed off on me. Fantastic. Yeah. And how did you how did you go rebuilding those friendships and those relationships that you like with your family? Yeah, just um, just getting rid of the anxiety, um, anything that was stressing me out, and I think just going there of uh, not looking back at the past and when things that had happened, and just going there of a new slate, mm. clear slate, and just mm. um, just reaching out, and you'll find mm. that most people. Um, when you tell me a story that, um, yeah, they're kind of shocked, but then they're 
grateful that you've reached back out and mm. you've made changes and you're So um, you picked up the phone, sent an email, sent a letter. Yeah, it was which... just basically a text. I started off text. a text. Um, okay. That's all I could really do at the start yep. was with the anxiety. So just mm. texting and then they'd call, then you probably wouldn't answer it and they'd leave a message, but you had to build yourself up slowly to it. But it took a little time, but, um, yeah, you got there. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite common to hear, you know, that people, you know, oh no, I fell out with so and so. I don't know. And quite often with clients, I encourage them to, you know, do what, do what you can. If it's, you know, sit down, write a letter, or yeah. write a text, and, you know, and I've had some come and say, well, I've, tr- I've been carrying this letter around with me for weeks, and every time I go to post it, I, I bottle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. You know, but eventually they come in and they go, I, I posted the letter. Yeah, cool. Yeah, okay. and it is. It's one. It's a wonderful thing. So texting was the way that you did it and you've been, managed to rebuild those relationships. Yeah. So, some people won't reply and I've yeah. learned that's okay. Like uh, they're moved on yeah. and um, like I've, I've, I've started doing different activities which I never would have done before uh, and you meet a new network anyway. So, yeah. What um, sort of activities are they? Are they secret squirrels activities? No. <laughs> <laughs> so basically uh, I've become the AC Community Ambassador for Outside the Locker Room. That's an organisation to go to sporting clubs around Australia right. and just raise awareness and talk about mental health and um, oh, that's wonderful. addictions, etc. So it's a really great, yeah, fantastic organisation. So yeah. um, I joined that um, going to Toastmasters, which I never thought I'd, I'd do, which, and you just, yeah, do these different things and you meet different How's people. How's Toastmasters helped you? <laughs> oh, it's been fantastic for my um, anxiety okay. and confidence. Like I've only been there for about three months, but I've noticed a yeah, change in me. Right. And, yeah. Have you found your people? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's just um, a different mix of people, um, different backgrounds, and yeah, it's really good. So. What sort of things are you speaking about at Toastmasters? Okay, so I've been talking about my um, experience of mental health yes. and a little bit about my addiction. Yep. And uh, I thought they'd be really blown away by it and gone, but they've been really encouraging mm. and supportive of it. And then you'd find the odd person will come up and tell you their battles with mental health and addiction of alcohol or some mm. sort. So mm. then you can start realising how prevalent it is in the community. And Unfortunately, it's one of those things that knows absolutely no barriers in wealth or age no. or gender. Yep. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's quite remarkable. So you're you're now working as an ambassador, and you're you're getting fitter. You're doing all this walking. You're you're speak. You're doing public speaking, which you know most people would um would. Ugh, there's yeah. no way you know it's on on the top top three. I think it is of the most stressful things that people can think of. You know, yeah. and you're you're you you're there, and you're doing it all without alcohol or. Or illicit drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's amazing having a clear head and a clear way of thinking that um, you, and positive mindset that you can achieve basically anything you put your mind to. And, um, yeah, I, could, I guess I could say I'm living proof because yeah. nine months ago there was no way I'd get up on a stage or even do a podcast. Or yeah. It wouldn't be in the yeah. uh, realm. Well, that's it's amazing. But so right at the beginning you mentioned that you had been diagnosed with bipolar. How long ago did that happen? That would have been probably 
eight, yeah, nine months ago. Yeah. Oh, probably September last year. Okay. I started um, um, where I was going to work when the things started really uh, falling off the uh, the wheels started falling off the bandwagon. Um, yeah. They sent me for fitness for duty, and um, where I was diagnosed clinical depression, anxiety, and um, so I started taking the um, antidepressants. But my mindset was um, I'm a proud male, um, there's nothing wrong with me. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, it's it was kind of you know, a huge stigma. I wasn't spoken about and I didn't want to be labelled. It's very much swallow a cup of concrete, isn't it? Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. That's it, yeah. exactly right. And mm. it's so that mindset's so destructive and I'm living proof of that. Yep. And um, so basically I started last year, I was getting um, – severe uh, uh, suicide thoughts and, um, yeah, that was really intense mm. and it got to a point um, I had to make changes. It's something, yeah, snapped in my head to I've got to go and see someone about this and, um, yeah, so I went to a psychiatrist. Okay. I was scared, dreading it, and uh, but it was the best thing I've done ever done in my life. Mm. Just It was completely different to what I thought the experience would be like. So. so with the suicidal ideation, did it go to the point where you had the plan, you had the means? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and Carmen, were you aware of aware of this? <sighs> um, I knew that he was, he was, it was just going further down, down. Mm. Um, I would worry so much at work. I would text him. Um, I would call him to find out, to, to, to see if he was okay at, yeah. at home. Um, there was one, one particular incident that was really terrible. I had, he, he was fine at home. I'd left him in the morning and I'd come home and he, he, I'd had police at my front door and I'd, it was about nine o'clock at night. For some reason I'd gone to the supermarket, mm. told him I was going to get dinner I'd get on the way, I'd come home. He'd said, yeah, it's fine. I'd come home and there was police at the front door and they'd said, um, do you live here? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, we're looking for Craig. Mm. And I said, Craig's not here. His car's not here. So he may have gone down the shop. He's not here. Mm. And I'm thinking, what has he done? Mm. Done something wrong? Why are they here? I don't, you know, police, to this extent, they are so wonderful people. Mm. They frighten me too, mm. to the extent. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it was more their concern because they were looking for Craig because mm. uh, he had rung someone anonymously or something or other and they had been concerned about his well-being. So they were doing a well-being check. Mm. Yeah, I wow. contacted the associate and said, oh, I've had enough of life and they must have rang the police. And, mm. and um, yeah, that mm. was scary because mm. we did not know. And it wasn't till, what, midnight or something or other, one o'clock in the morning, he rocks all back up. And I said, I was, yeah. mm. and he was, he was in that stage where he just didn't want to be. Yeah. Mm. And it was just, it was a horrible, mm. horrible, horrible time. So after that, you took yourself off to the psychiatrist. Yes. All yeah. that anxiety and that knot that you've probably got going on. And it wasn't what you expected. So what were you expecting versus what, what you got? I guess looking back at the old movies, the people talk about it, and you see um, people going to the the psych ward in the yeah. straitjacket and locked away forever, and yeah. um, that was my um, ex expectation of it. Yeah. 
to slow down the couch and you're sitting behind you and then next minute they come and drag you away. So, yeah. um, but no, it was. Good old Hollywood. Yes, yes. They, <laughs> it does wonders for the profession. <laughs> it does, it does. So, and, and just being labelled, I didn't want to be labelled with yeah. a mental, someone with a mental health issue, who would have thought. But yeah. um, so, um, yeah, so I went there and uh, it was completely different. Um yeah, um, and they, he was caring, and um, and so yeah, it was a an icebreaker for me. Yeah, pardon the pardon. Yeah, <laughs> well, it, it, by the sounds of things, it literally was an icebreaker for it, you. It was, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, were you open about your about your drug use with your not, psychiatrist? No, a little bit, but not. Uh, I was still yeah keeping guarded about it, so I kind of didn't tell the whole truth. Which wasn't the best thing to do. Yep. Um, I get so he basically he said I it was a toss up between borderline personality or um, bipolar. But mm. going just the one session it was a bit hard for him to decide. Which you you, you yep. know you've got to do a couple of visits. Yeah, absolutely. Are you still seeing that psychiatrist? Yes, I saw him yesterday, actually. Do you want to give him a shout-out? Yeah, hi, uh, Dr. Ali. <laughs> hope you're doing well. You've been a, a game-changer for me. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So what does your future look like now? Uh, my future looks very positive, um, goal-orientated, and just passionate about trying to help others going through the similar situation with self-medication yeah. or uh, drug use or um, mental health and mm. just to change your mindset and be more proactive. So, yeah, it's um, – I don't have a job at this present stage, but, um, yeah. but yeah, I'm not stressed. I've, yeah, taking edge days it comes and it's yeah. really positive. By the sounds of things, you don't have time for a job. You, you're doing all this ambassador work and this training and yeah. – Organising a, a walk from Canberra to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, no, it's That's, been yeah, my uh, diary's very full. So yeah, it's been really enjoyable. I've yeah. loved every uh, minute of it. So yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, you know, the work that you're doing, it's you know, might not be bringing in the you know, bringing in the bacon as they say, but it's really quite wonderful work that you're doing at the it's moment. It's rewarding. It's yeah. uh, and money doesn't compare to it. So um, yeah, so it's giving you a real sense of purpose. It is. It mm. is, and money can't buy that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll pay it off. So, um, yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, that's amazing. And, Carmen, what does your future look like? My future at this stage? Up and up. <laughs> up and up. Up and up. Um, and a few less a few less hours at work by the sounds uh, of yes. things. Yes, <laughs> I've got better, and Craig can vouch for that. I have got better. Um, just embracing what Craig's passion is now mm. um, and having – gone along with him in the journey, um, I have learnt a lot. And, like, just there is so much out there, so many people out there that are suffering in silence that that the community communities need to be aware that uh, these people, um, they're people and, you know, they might be struggling with, you know, the basic things in life. But, you know, we there's so much we can do to help mm. um, if we... With us just speaking about that, it's it's not taboo. It's not it's it's not bad or or a criminal mm. criminal offence to have a mental mm. illness. But um, mm. the networks and the people to highlight that they're where they are and who mm. they can go to and who they can help. I mean, mm. to me, that's just, it's just it's so re rewarding. 
And you know, sort of, sort of going back to that illicit drug use, it was very much, it was very much a symptom of what was going on. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yes. And um, and you'll find that uh, most people that do, or all of them that uh, are doing the drugs, they're all self-medicating. They're not bad people. They're just um, trying to yeah. fill a void in their life or um, get rid of the pain. Mm. And um, yeah, so yeah. they're they're human, like all of us, and. Um, like myself, I took a, a wrong direction, but um, yeah, if they can, uh, if they're hearing this podcast, it can be, uh, it can be done if you if you mm. want to do it, and you can have a productive and fulfilling mm. life. Mm. Thank you. I really would like to thank you both so much for agreeing to talk to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything that you'd like to say, just as a real sort of like finisher and a closer to get that message through to people? Uh, don't be afraid. Reach out to someone. Um, that's that's where you got to start from. Is reach out and see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, or a social worker, and um, just get the ball rolling because it's not a it's not a lifetime um, of doom and gloom. It doesn't have to be. Um, mm. You can have, as I said before, a fulfilling and uh, enjoyable life. So reach out. Brilliant. Thank you yeah. so much, Craig, for inviting me into your home to talk to you today. As always, it's been a pleasure speaking with everybody. I'd like to thank Craig and Carmen for sharing their secrets today. Thanks to Nick McCoston, my podcast guy, who's going to make this sound good at the end of it. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening, subscribing and rating. If you have secrets you'd like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please send an email via our website, secretkeepercounselling.com.au. And until next time, stay well. Thank you for listening to Secrets We Share. If you're interested in sharing some of your secrets, please visit our website at secretkeepercounseling.com.au. Keep an ear out for our next episode soon.